Good morning. All right. Fun worship. Feel a little bit closer to God. You know, that's their job. They're already there. They're leading us to the throne room. They're already there, right? Did we get closer? All right. They did their job. Good job, band. All right. Well, I'm going to wait till the end of the service and we'll have some announcements for you guys, but let's just get right into it. We're in our third week of the series on grace, grace anatomy. We're studying the topic of grace. Let me read you our key text today, a parable from Jesus. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace, and they weren't doing anything. So he told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to him, to them, go also and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired at last only worked an hour or two. You've made them equal to us. We bore the burden of work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Have you ever noticed that a little bit of Bible knowledge, just a little bit of Bible knowledge, can sometimes be a dangerous thing. Have you noticed that some people will twist a certain interpretation from Scripture to make it fit what they're trying to make it fit? Someone could say that this story makes it clear that everyone who is saved gets the same reward in heaven, whether they're saved at the age 10 or the age of 80. They may say, hey, let's face it, being a Christian's hard. You know, I may need to stop doing things I'm not ready to stop doing, so I think I'll wait until the last hour before I sign up. Now, I might object to that. I might say, but there's no guarantee that you'll have the choice or the chance in that final hour. Someone may fire back at me. Of course I will. How long does it take to repent? If the thief on the cross can get saved in the last minute, why can't I? As I said, sometimes a passing familiarity with the Bible can be a dangerous thing. In fact, this person that I've just made up 
their idea of salvation and grace in the Christian life are so far off the mark, it would be hard to know where to begin to get back on track. The point of this parable is not to encourage us to wait as long as possible until we accept Christ so we don't miss out on any of the fun. Rather, the point of this parable is to teach us about God's generous grace and how it's at work in our lives and how we can get in on it as soon and as often as possible. With the exception of the ending of this story, um, it, it reflects a common occurrence that was in the Philistine world in the first century. Just like we see in the agricultural regions around the world today, there were laborers who gathered in one place and waited to be hired for the day. They, these were men in the first century uh, Palestine area who, whose sole means of employment was to get hired day in and day out to work out in the fields. It was common for them to gather in the marketplace and wait to be hired by this farmer or, or vineyard owner. And the typical workday was from sunup to sundown. The typical pay for a day's work was a denarius. It wasn't very much, but it was enough to put food on the table. Now, if a man wasn't hired in that first hour, all was not lost. All right, It was common for vineyard owners to come back throughout the day in case they needed more help. For example, there may be bad weather coming. So they'd hurry up and get some more men before everything came to a halt. They could get it done. So the workers who really wanted to work would stick around the marketplace and wait for another chance. So when Jesus told this story, you know, about a landowner hiring people throughout the day, it was totally common for these people. It made sense. They understood what Jesus was saying. When Jesus said, uh, that uh, the guy agreed to pay a denarius for the day, well, that made sense because that was the common daily salary. It made sense. When Jesus said the landowner hired more people and told them, you also go work in the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right, this also made sense. See, he didn't promise them a denarius. He said, I'll pay you what's right, a fair wage. Now, where the story takes an odd turn is when at the end of the day, the landowner is ready to pass out the paychecks. Now it gets weird. He tells the foreman to pay first those who came and worked for just a couple of hours, maybe. Now, it goes without saying that uh, those people were really happy, really excited. What a windfall. Then when he got to those who had been hired first, well, didn't go over too well, did it? He paid them a full day's pay just as he promised to pay them. Again, it goes without saying that this group of workers was not happy. They said, wait a minute, why do they, the ones who worked only an hour or two, get the same amount of money that we get, those who work the entire day? The landowner's response it's my own money. Can't I do what I want with it? Or are you envious just because I'm generous? Great question. What is Jesus saying to us? What is, what is he saying to us today about his grace? 
I want to look specifically at three things from this story that show us how to actually live in the grace of God. First one, we've got to open our eyes to the generosity of God. We sang, God open our eyes. Boy, we need to make that our prayer. Open our eyes to God's generosity. Notice that everybody in this story wins. Every single person wins. At the very least, some of the workers were given decent pay for a, de- for a day's work. Pretty fair. It's a good deal. Some of us would jump at that offer. Then, in addition to the workers who were paid fairly, some other workers were on the receiving end of even a better deal. God is never unfair. He's just. He's never unfair. At the very least, he's fair. And on top of that, he often unexpectedly and crazy generous. He just is crazy generous sometimes. If you know what my life was like before he accepted me as one of his children, you'd know he's crazy generous. Crazy generous. I've heard people criticize preachers because maybe they talk too much about the blessings and benefits of following Christ. I've heard people say, you know, enough of this talk about what God does for you. We need to talk more about what you should do for God. Now, let me make something perfectly clear right here. Because I don't want to give the wrong impression. When it comes to doing something for God, I'm pretty sure you all know where I stand. We all could be doing a whole lot more. And we should. Every person in this room could love more. Every person in this room could serve more. Could give more. We all could do more. And that's the topic of a good percentage of my messages. But I want to make something even more clear than that. When it comes to your relationship with God, if you think you're going to operate on a 50-50, give and take, tit for tat, fair pay for an honest day's work arrangement, then you're not going to experience the grace of God. You're not going to do it. It's because our relationship is not a contract between equals. It's not what it is. The basis of your relationship with God will always be that he does much, much more for you than you could ever dream of doing for him. John says we love him because he first loved us. And Paul says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not the other way around. God doesn't love us because we first loved him and decides, well, I guess turn around and spare play. They love me, so I'll go ahead and love them. It didn't work that way. God doesn't look down from heaven one day and see any of us and our good, noble ideas, and our charm, and our intellect, and our unswerving integrity, and say, hey, I could use that guy on my team. I'd be lucky to have him. Doesn't work that way. The truth is, is that God has given us more than we could ever possibly deserve. If you could somehow 
chart your relationship with God and illustrate it in a circle where everything God has done for you is represented with the color red and everything that you were capable of doing for God is the color blue. Well, what it would look like is the whole circle would be red with one little blue dot down at the bottom. Again, that blue dot needs to be there. We need to do all we can for his glory. But let's not operate under the mistaken idea that the graph is half red and half blue. It can't even be 60-40, not even 70-30 or 80-20. What I'm hoping that you'll hang on today is the idea that our God is unbelievably generous. The psalmist writes, He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. What do we deserve for that? Hmm. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Jesus even said he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I mean, do you know some ungrateful people, maybe even borderline wicked? God is even kind to them. I mean, really, if you think about it, have they really gotten what they deserve yet? Maybe you're hoping for it someday. <laughs> God is so gracious. In our relationship with God, there are many times when at the end of the day, we receive, so to speak, a day's pay for a day's work. Because God is never less than fair. But there are many more times when at the end of the day, God is profoundly gracious and generous and merciful and compassionate, much more so than we deserve. Be on the lookout for those moments. Open up your eyes, because when you do, you'll find them everywhere. Watch this. Everybody take in a big, deep breath. We're going to do that a whole bunch the rest of the day. He gives us every one of those. Mm. Be on the lookout. There have been times in my life when God has just blessed my socks off. And, and then I try to look back on what I've done to see how I deserved this. <laughs> Maybe I wrote it on a prayer request somewhere and because of my righteous prayer of faith, God answered it. Or maybe it's a payback for the time I accidentally dropped a $20 bill in the plate instead of a 10. I thought it was a 10, but it was actually a 20. Maybe it was that. I'm being facetious, but you get my point. We have a tendency to try to earn everything that God gives us. But the truth is, he wants to give you and me more than we could ever deserve. If you want to live in the grace of God, you have to believe in his generosity. And then open your eyes and look for it. All right, here's the second way we can live in God's grace. Make yourself available for his blessings. Kind of stand in the way of them. The men who didn't get hired in the first hour of the day chose to stay in the marketplace a little bit longer just in case another landowner showed up, showed up to hire some people. 
You know, they were thinking, well, even though I lost a chance for a full day's pay, at least I can get some money and maybe put one meal on the table. So some were hired at nine, some were hired at noon, but then the amazing group were the ones that stayed to that very last hour, refusing to give up the idea of earning at least a little bit that day. I was reading from someone who thought those workers hired late in the day were lazy. They wasted their time in the market square instead of applying themselves to work. I think they totally missed the point. (laughs) Totally. These men hired late in the day weren't avoiding work. They were doing all they could do as unskilled day laborers to get work. If they were lazy, they would have gone home and taken a nap. Or they would have gone to the pub and hang out with their friends. Instead, they stayed in the marketplace for that remote possibility. And not only did they get some work, they got a full day's pay. It happened because they never took their name off the list. They positioned themselves for one good thing and something even better happened. That's our gracious God. I don't know who first said this, but you've probably heard it. 90% of success is showing up. 90% of the successes that we have is just showing up. It's true in the workplace, but I believe it's true in the spiritual life as well. God blesses those who show up. I learned a little bit about this when I played football in high school. I was as skinny as a beanpole. I mean, I didn't play very often. (laughs) I probably would have broken in half if I got hit too many times. But I did learn a secret about getting in there to play. The coach will sometimes send in the guy standing closest to him. (laughs) It happens, for example, when somebody's just been dragged off the field and he, he needs someone, anybody, to fill a spot. I knew that if I was close enough at that moment... He may just put me in the game. (laughs) It worked a lot better than sulking on the bench. This is why during the course of my single year of football, I sometimes played offensive linemen. I played a, a, a tight end. I played linebacker. All those positions that I never practiced. I usually didn't know what to do when I was in there on every play, but at least I was in the game. Some of you guys can relate. If you want to experience the fullness of God's generous grace, you have to show up. He cannot bless you if you're hiding at home. You have to be available. You know what that means? It means you can't give up. There are some here today who desperately need God's grace. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of a sin. Maybe it's guilt in your life. Maybe you can't escape that feeling of God's absence. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your job situation is a mess. You need to experience the overwhelming generosity of God. I can't tell you the hour or the day that it's going to come, but I can tell you this. There's a lot better chance of it happening if you're available, if you leave your name on the list, if you show up. 
You know, this is the whole idea behind Cornerstone's three-part process in making disciples. We believe if we consistently show up in celebrating the love of God like you've been doing today, if we consistently do that, if you show up in connections with, with God's people in groups and ministry teams, we believe if you show up in ways to reach those who are hurting or missing from God's family, if we make ourselves available in that process, then we believe that he will do amazing things for us, to us, through us. He'll actually transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Ask yourself, am I in the position I need to be to receive God's generosity? Can he bless me at this place, the place I'm at right now? If 90% of success is simply showing up, where do I need to start showing up, spiritually speaking or emotionally speaking, maybe even physically speaking? What do I need to do to position myself for God's blessing? The would-be workers who gave up too soon went home too early, too early that day, and they missed out on a blessing. Don't miss out on God's generosity. Stay available. And here's the third thing you can do to learn to live in God's grace. Learn to share the joy of others. Share their joy, their blessings. Now, this is a theme that we're going to visit throughout this series. Part of living in God's grace is allowing others to live in God's grace. Some of the workers in this story considered themselves at first to be the lucky ones. They were hired early. They were promised a good wage for a day's work. They got a good deal. They had a lot to be thank thankful for, except they didn't like the idea that someone else got a better deal. When they received their pay, it says they begin to grumble against the landowner. The landowner said, don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Or is it that you're envious? Boy, he caught him red-handed, didn't he? That last sentence sums it all up. Some people are just envious. They're jealous. They can't stand for someone else to get a blessing. Back in the early 90s, Ricky Henderson re-signed with the Oakland A's as one of the top paid players in Major League Baseball. He was satisfied, highly satisfied. He was going to make millions of dollars. He signed with his own hand and that was it. Well, his salary ranking was short-lived as the papers reported the very next day that Daryl Strawberry had negotiated with the Dodgers to become the highest paid baseball player. Ricky threw a tantrum. <laughs> he wanted to renegotiate his now unappreciated contract. He said he didn't think he would perform well on the field while being angry. I felt so sorry for him. <laughs> well, in spite of this more than fair pay he was getting, he wasn't going to be able to enjoy his love for baseball 
because he couldn't share the joy with Daryl Strawberry's blessing. He was envious. That's how these workers were. It's the opposite of grace. It's ungrace. And it leads to misery. Pure misery. There will be times when others get bigger blessings than you get. When people less deserving than you will end up with more. Or at least it will appear that way on the surface if you choose to look at life that way. The reality is that you've received more grace than you've acknowledged. Your blessings may be different than others, but they are anything but unfair. The temptation is to be envious when someone else receives a gift seemingly better than anything you have. But I encourage you to be gracious. Share in their joy. Be thankful for the goodness of God in the lives of his people. You get to see how he treats his people. Even if you're not the primary target, you can share in that joy. You can see God's power. You know what I think? If I live another 50 years, I'm probably going to live another 100, but if I live another 50, and, and I never get another blessing, no other blessing comes my way, I think I still will leave this life way ahead in the blessing department. God has been so good to me. And it's not because I deserve it. Oh my gosh, it's not because I deserve it. It's because of his goodness. So the key word in this whole message is the word open. You know what that is? I'm, I'm going to get real profound here. Open is the opposite of closed. <laughs> Did you know that? But think about it. When your eyes are closed, you don't see the generosity of God in your life. You don't see evidence of his goodness out in the world. When your eyes are closed like that, you can only perceive life as one difficulty to the next. What about your mind? When your mind is closed, you don't have the courage to position yourself for a blessing by staying in the marketplace and waiting for your chance to work. When your mind is closed, you just want to give up and go home and feel sorry for yourself. And what about your heart? When your heart is closed, you don't experience the joy of God's blessings in the lives of others, and neither do you experience the joy of God in your life. When your heart is closed, you always feel shortchanged. You always feel a little resentful. So the key word is open. If you want to apply this in your life, if you want God's gracious goodness to be in your life, then open up to it. Open your eyes and look for evidence of his goodness, his generosity. Open up your mind to the possibility that exists in him and position yourself to receive those blessings. And open up your heart to others so you can be thankful for those blessings in your life and in their life. Listen, Living in God's grace is not a competition. 
It's a celebration. So open yourself up to it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I guess I should almost pray for a spanking (laughs) because I've missed thanking you so many times for little blessings like taking another breath and another and another. God, you're so good to us. It's humbling to know how good you are because we don't deserve it. Even if we only made one mistake in our entire life, that's enough to not deserve salvation. But Jesus, you came and you died on the cross for us, taking sin on your shoulders. And you didn't wait for us to become perfect or even close to it before you died on that cross. You did it while we were sinners. And we all together thank you so much. Let us continue to to be reminded by your Holy Spirit of how gracious you really are. And we pray this all in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You feel blessed? You feel blessed today? Good, because you are. (laughs) I want to... give you some announcements here. Funny how this kind of worked out about positioning ourselves for the blessings of God. We have uh, three announcements. Actually, there's four, but look at these first three. Okay, beginning on Sunday, September 7th, that's two weeks from today, we're going back to our two services. So it'll be uh, 9 o'clock and 10.30. So uh, stuff for the kids, the, the element of actually birth through sixth grade. At both services, the Sunday school stuff will happen then. Um, that's our celebrate time. Position yourself for God's blessing, okay? And look at this, second part of our process. Get connected. We've got all kinds of groups starting up. Married couples, uh, Bible studies, ministry teams that need help. Get involved. You can go out to the lobby and get signed up for something. Look at this one. Reaching, reaching. We've got a mission trip happening to Haiti, and we're going to have a a yard sale. What did I say? Oh, well, she's going along too. Okay. (laughs) Where is Hattie anyway? (laughs) Thank you. You're a teacher, aren't you? English teacher, right? That was good. We're going to Haiti. A mission trip is going there. And we're raising funds to help them out. So bring your stuff for our yard sale coming up. Uh, We're having that on the 6th and the 7th. So there you go. Three-part process, three things, get involved. And our kids and youth programs are getting ready to kick off for the fall. Youth group begins meeting this Wednesday. Okay, this Wednesday, 6.30, and the kids are going to start meeting on September 7th when the two services go back. That'll be at 5.30. So let's all get involved. Let's all just kind of get in that spot where God can just pour his blessings over us and we can be with each other and watch it happen. Sound good? You guys going to have a great week? God bless you. Go give them heaven.